Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and Grand Prix Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented by Sam Sage, Harry E, and me, Ben Hocking. The winter of despair continues. There's still no F1. I've had enough of the winter break now. It's, it's, it's run its course. It's time to get Formula One back. I mean, Sam, you're probably an expert in this. How do you simulate F1 in your day-to-day lives? I'm thinking like shopping trolley races. Like, how do you get by? Well, uh, I was upstairs in the kitchen. Yes, my kitchen's upstairs. When I'm at Confusers, I live in a flat. We have two floors. It's very odd. And, uh, of course, often you tend to service something in the kitchen. And whilst making a cup of tea, I had to do the undercut, putting the tea bag in the mug to get to the kettle first. Got the jump on the other tea creator in the house and uh, managed to get back down the stairs into the spare room. Of course, to join the podcast. It was very efficient. 2.3 seconds on the pour with milk. Um, you know, you have to, <laughs> you know, how dare he, the crowd chimed in. Um, obviously, nice. you have to make the most of this. It's hard to, it's hard to feel that level of competition until Formula One comes back. I'm surprised how much I immediately miss it after the ridiculous drama that is still going on on social media with everything related to the finale. But I'm immediately like, let's just do another race now. Thank you. That'll be good. I mean, Abu Dhabi was quite literally a month ago today. Uh, and that that doesn't feel that feels about a year ago already. But it, to answer your question that you gave to Sam Ben, I just follow Nick, Nick Knowles on Twitter now. That's it. Straight F one. Apparently, he's not very happy about something that happened at Abu Dhabi. I mean, I didn't catch the race myself, but I hear it was <laughs> a, a little bit controversial. He's oh, only done. Man. He's only done about fifteen. 30 tweets about it so I think you, you, I, you uh, I heard he's starting a new show um, FIA SOS that'll be coming out on uh, <laughs> FI broadcast soon we've got the niche British reference in early thank you for that Sam 
I'm sure it won't be the only one. Massively appreciate it, though. Um, we're going to try and fill the F1 void for you, ladies and gents. Positively or negatively, I can't promise anything, but we're going to fill the void nonetheless. We're going to be talking Carlos Sainz, potential contract talks with him at Ferrari to extend his stay with the team. Oscar Piastri, as we know, will not be on the grid this year, but as reigning Formula 2 champion, we'll be looking at teams that might want to prize him away from the Alpine programme. And F1 higher and lower makes a reappearance later on. Sam looking for revenge after his loss in F1 order, please, last week. (laughs) Will he get that revenge? (laughs) Remains to be seen. But we're going to start with a topic that we almost definitely covered last year. And we're not suffering with deja vu. It's just that it's come about again. Because all the way into the lead up into the 2021 season, we were talking about Lewis Hamilton. Is he going to race this year? Because his contract wasn't settled at that point. The good news is his contract is settled this year. So we thought we might actually avoid this topic this time round. Hard luck. We haven't got that. Lewis Hamilton, is he going to be there in 2022? A lot of questions asked whether, after what happened last season, he's actually not going to be competing in F1 this year after all. Sam, if you had to put a percentage on this, how likely do you think it is that Lewis Hamilton will be there in that first race in Bahrain? 100%. I think it is pure (laughs) trickery, pure games. I think that... I think both Lewis and Mercedes, they know what they're doing. Lewis, I think, also deservingly wants a bit of a break from social media. I don't think he's just playing, you know, you blink, I blink. I don't know what the game is. What's the, what do they call it in the Wild West? Where they have the a shootout, right? Where they have the, you pull your gun, draw first. I, I um, got you, yeah. yeah. I like a, you blink, I blink. I think that's a good <laughs> thing. AKA a staring contest. Um, <laughs> but yes, you blink, I blink is the new game. Um I think, you know, Mercedes and Lewis know exactly what they're doing. I think that the silence is almost quite deafening in terms of the pressure it's putting on the FIA. It's causing so much of a stir in the media. Just look at Nick Knowles' Twitter, everyone. You know, the people are still talking about it over and over and over again. Journalists everywhere are writing about how the FIA have to do something. Lewis Hamilton's not going to come back. The biggest star in Formula 1. People are claiming everywhere that Lewis Hamilton is bigger than Formula 1 itself. Now, I'm not going to put my opinion on that matter, whether I believe that's the case or not. But there are enough people going around saying that he is, that it warrants being spoken about. And I think that they know what they're doing. They are playing a very, very clever game. They are trying to get a decision made and cemented in the books and sorted before any Formula 1 activity happens for 2022. There's also been screenshots, I guess is the right message for them, of the FIA board going around where the single-seater governing person is no longer Michael Massey than it was in 2021. It has only got one game now, not two. Uh, Michael Massey has been removed from this whole board area, which is very, very interesting. And I think they're just looking to get as much justice as possible out of the situation. I think... I think... Mercedes would be panicking a little bit more. He's on the website, you know, he's appearing on their, their marketing materials, he's in adverts for them. There's too many other things going on that involve Lewis. I know it's contractual, but, you know, they have a lot of love for him. I think they allow him to be a little bit out of the loop if he chose to be out of the loop. Lewis Hamilton's not going anywhere. He wants at least one taste in these cars. And I think he knows full well that Mercedes have got the car to potentially challenge again. They didn't develop properly in 2021. I think they're going all out again for the new era. They did it last time with the hybrid era. They're going to do it again with this new closer racing 
um, era of Formula 1 that we're expected to see. So, yeah, Lewis Hamilton will 100% be at the first Grand Prix and at testing, despite what happens with the FIA. No doubt whatsoever from Mr. Sage. Harry, are you up around 100% as well? Uh, I won't go for the full 100 because I am famously wrong at literally everything I say. Uh, but I, I'm going for 95%. I think it, he'll be there when it, when we get it gets down to it. And, you know, uh, whether it is a, a, a scare tactic or he is, as Sam said, just simply taking a break from everything, um, yeah, I think he'll still be there. He's just taking some, some time off and, and making F, the FYA, <clears throat> excuse me, sweat a little bit as we get nearer and nearer towards the uh, towards the season i i love that he's literally said nothing since abu dhabi so it's nothing in a month basically and uh, and now journalists are, are picking it out the air that he he might actually not be coming back which is just f1 media summed up we love a gossip we love a rumor um and i love that they picked it out from the fact that he said nothing uh, so yeah, but I think he'll. Uh, I definitely think he'll be there when we when we get to testing. Um, I mean, imagine if he didn't do testing and just came to the first race. That would be banter, wouldn't it? Imagine uh, the, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. See you later. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm angry now. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think he'll be there. Just, and I don't think whatever the FIA decide will um, will determine it. Uh, but. You know, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this hearing. But like I said, I don't think it's going to affect. In in you know, in the end, I think Hamilton is a racer and he loves to race. So I think if he's satisfied that he can go and do that still, then he'll still come back. Um, and any disillusionment he has from Abu Dhabi may be carried over. But I think he'll still. The love of race, love of racing, will still override any disillusionment he might have from leftover from that last race. I I like how you've already mentioned it, Harry, that his disappearance on social media, whether that be temporary or permanent, it seems to have caused journalists to think, well, he hasn't said anything. Maybe he's not coming back. I, I dread to think what they were what they were like 20 years ago when social media didn't exist. Were they, <laughs> were they all flapping about in February like, none of them said anything. We might not have a calendar this year. None of them are going to do anything. <laughs> Um, said yeah. not said a word look social media quietness and not racing in F1 this year it's like that that good old meme where you've got the no correlation graph whatsoever <laughs> one does not lead to the other in any way shape or form let's put it that way um, you've said 100% Sam I mean, Harry you've you've at least given it 5% for he's not coming back <laughs> I'll go with you. I'll go with you, Harry. It's it's ninety five percent, a hundred percent. He's gonna be there. I said the same thing last week. Um, I, I I know a lot of people seem to think it depends what the FIA investigation comes back with, like what they determine. I don't think it matters whatsoever what they come back with. I still think he'll be there one way or the other. I, I think those who expect the FIA to turn around and admit that they made these crucial mistakes, I think you're you're kidding with yourselves. Just based on everything the FIA have ever done. Um, you know, whenever the FIA have been under duress from a decision that they've made, it, it's always been a case of they've doubled down. They, they've never gone back on their word. They, they've never gone back and said, well, actually, you know what? First time around, 
We made an error there. We'll, ha we'll hold our hands up on that one. That's not an FIA tactic. We saw what happened in Brazil. They made the decision not to investigate the Verstappen-Hamilton incident there. After the race, they were left with the decision, do we admit our error or do we actually say, no, you know what, we back ourselves in that spot. They took the latter of the decision. So I'm pretty sure for this FIA investigation, they're going to come back and say, well, they acted within the realms of what they believe to be. And they will use those sorts of words to cover ambiguity and vagueness. But yeah, I don't think they're going to admit fault. And I don't think it matters what is in this report because it will still it will still result in Lewis Hamilton racing this year. And ultimately, him not racing would go against everything that I've I've seen and witnessed from Lewis Hamilton. You know, Lewis Hamilton has had a lot of success in terms of pure race wins. He's had more success than any other driver on the grid ever. So he he knows what he knows what he's doing when it comes to Formula One. I I know I appreciate that's not Great a bold statement. <laughs> it's not a bold statement, but he knows what he's doing. I'm Even just so, that out, folks, when you see that, yeah, that's please do. Even so, he has faced adversity in his career. If you think back to 2007, what happened there? Um, you know, he loses out in the championship on the final day. What does he do in 2008? He comes back stronger and he wins the championship. 2016, he loses the championship to Rosberg. I know Rosberg wasn't there in 2017, but what does he do? He comes back and he wins the title again. And I appreciate those situations are not the same as this situation, but it's still being knocked down. It's still losing out. And his response to losing out before has been to get back up and fight it. I've got no reason to believe that's going to be any different this time. I think he'll, he'll act in exactly the same way. And just imagine... If he doesn't race this season, of course, it's new regulations. We don't really know what's going to happen with the cars. Could you imagine a situation where Lewis Hamilton goes, you know what, not happy with the FIA, I'm going to sit this season out. And then George Russell coasts to the championship because Mercedes have dominated the regulations. Lewis Hamilton sat there like, ah, oh, don't think I played this one very well, to be honest. Could have had a title there. <laughs> that's not That's not going to happen. He's going to leave it open. He knows that Mercedes might well have nailed these regulations. And if so, he wants to be the person that benefits from it. And I don't think he's going to allow the FIA to get in the way of that. And just one final point on this, um, because as we know, I, I, I was very vocal at the time how much I disagreed with the decision made by Michael Massey uh, on that last lap in Abu Dhabi. And I still think that's the case. Nothing's changed there. But I also believe that there was no bias against Lewis Hamilton in particular. I don't think it was biased against him. I think it was biased for entertainment. I think if they were the other way round, if Verstappen was leading and Hamilton was chasing, I think they would have made the exact same decision. I don't think they made the decision because of who Lewis Hamilton is. I don't think they made the decision in the name of trying to get someone else to win the championship. I think they just made the decision because they wanted a last lap of entertainment for the fans. Agree with it or disagree with it, I very much disagree with it. But I don't think there was any bias involved from a human level. I think it was purely from an entertainment level. So actually, heading into this year, and like I say, I think the same situation could unfold the other way round and they'd still play it the same way. There's no reason for Lewis Hamilton to believe the FIA are out to get him. I think the FIA are incompetent, but I don't think they're, they're, they're biased. Uh, that's not necessarily a compliment, FIA, but that's how I think it goes. So if it was, say, a Senna Prost situation where there were definitely reasons to believe that 
the FIA were biased towards Prost versus Senna, you know, whether you think it's true or not, there there were definitely legitimate allegations there. There's not I don't think there's anything legitimate here. I just think they're trying to they were trying to get the best finish to a season possible, fairly or unfairly. So I don't think Lewis Hamilton is going to take a season off or retire. I think he'll be back in Bahrain. And that's good for the sport. That's good for Lewis Hamilton. Uh, and, and we can put this to bed now. Something that that's a message for everyone. That you, um... <laughs> <laughs> to the world of Formula One. Letting you all know. Something that, right. um, that you said there, Ben, was about how he responds after not winning a championship, uh, notably what we saw after the Rosberg incident, right? I think the grid, um, those who he might end up going up against should be very wary about driving against Lewis Hamilton. Because if there's something that we see in Lewis Hamilton's career, it's that when you irritate the man, when he becomes angry for the next race, you know, we saw it in Singapore 2018, he got a lot of stick from journalism about um, where he was in the world and how he didn't care about Formula 1. He put that pole lapping around Singapore. We saw it with Brazil, right? He got the, the penalty, he had to overtake 25 cars over two races. And now I think we're going to end up seeing a very, very determined, revenge-seeking style Lewis Hamilton for the 2022 season. So if he has got a front-sitting car, I think we could see something quite formidable in the form of Lewis Hamilton. Should, of course, he come back. There is still a slither of hope that he uh, he might appear. And by slither, I mean it's a, it's a 100% chance, folks. He will be here. Don't be silly. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's just... Lewis Hamilton has never shown a I'm going to take my ball and go home approach to anything he's done in F1. So why is there reason to believe that he'll start now? The FIA come back and say they acted legitimately. like They might well do that. Is Lewis Hamilton really going to go, don't like that, going to go home now, had enough of this? You can't play my game anymore. Maybe he just wants to give Esti Gertz a chance. Over Stoffel van Dorn. Always. No, no, I, saw rumors that, I saw rumors that Hulkenberg was going to take his seat. Shouldn't he stand down? He just takes any available seat that F1 has. He doesn't care about do that it. man. Yeah, I'll do <laughs> it. <laughs> bit, bit of a spoiler for next week's lead topic then. We don't usually do this. If Lewis Hamilton doesn't return to F1, who should take his place? Should it be Nico Hulkenberg, Stoffel van Dorn, or Esteban Gutierrez? Let us know your thoughts in advance because that's definitely one we're going to discuss. And with that, let's move on from Mercedes to Ferrari. Carlos Sainz has been in the news uh, the last couple of weeks after a very successful first season with the team in which he beat Charles Leclerc. Talks about him getting a contract extension are about. Uh, Bonotto's commented on it publicly. Carlos Sainz has commented on it publicly. We'll have to see how those negotiations go. We'll start from the perspective of Ferrari, the team, and then we'll move on to Carlos Sainz. Um, Sam, what do you think that they should be looking for in terms of how long this deal is, when they should let to get this wrapped up? What, what, what's your thoughts on that? Firstly, it feels like there is a trend in Formula One around when contracts are being handed out and how long these contracts seem to go on for. I think the, the biggest example I can think of most recently is Esteban Ocon, of course, with Alpine. And we're discussing, obviously, that seat when it comes to Piastri later on in the podcast. But we all gave our opinions a few races after that contract had been signed that maybe they signed him for too many decades and he maybe wasn't ready to be signed for 47 years at the Alpine seat. Um, Now, Carlos Sainz has been 
brilliant. I think we all agree that he's been absolutely brilliant in that Ferrari. Whether you believe that, you know, Leclerc was up to the, the standard he should have been or not, or if it was unlucky with some DNFs that he received or not, he put up a brilliant display against Charles Leclerc, who, for the most part of the season, was receiving the God Leclerc title. Of course, he is now being reduced to Moses Leclerc until he can reinstate that God Leclerc. <laughs> I about Moses Leclerc. <laughs> until he can reinstate that title. Um, now, Ferrari... I don't know why they... Firstly, why they need to rush this. Science isn't going to go anywhere else. You know, the, the, the road to Red Bull is full. It's a queue out the door around the corner. Where we, A couple of years ago, we were saying they didn't have enough people. It was empty in their waiting room. And now they've got a waiting line around the corner, like when you try and get your bloody COVID jab. But, you know, Mercedes as well, I don't think they're going to be nicking science off uh, off Ferrari either. So, realistically, science hasn't got anywhere to go. And I think Ferrari should understand that. Now... That means that I think you can at least wait till the summer break of this season to make sure he's still performing as expected. I think he will be, but have some patience. Now, what do they need to look for for Carlos Sainz? Consistency. Carlos Sainz has always brought that. Wherever he goes, he manages to pull out a very solid result. He's never been the guy that pulls out a breathtaking result that you go... You know, like Perez, when he used to suddenly pop up in third place regularly for, for Racing Point or for Force India. Or when um, the likes, I was going to say, Hulkenberg. That's not funny. Um, when Leclerc would suddenly, oh, you know, yeah. he was in first place at Silverstone all of a sudden. And, and if he got overtaken, he wouldn't be in first place anymore because that's how racing works in the Ferrari. Good point. Um, you know, just wants to take a board Ferrari. Um, so I think consistency is key. I think Carlos Sainz has always delivered that. And I'd be very shocked if all of a sudden he doesn't. Um, not being attacked by his water bottle. That seems to happen at least once a season for Carlos Sainz, where he <laughs> ends up almost drowning in his helmet, the poor lad. Um, get oh. that fixed. But I also think they're expecting Sainz to step up again and make sure that, with the fact this is his second year integrating into the team, he's able to carry on being in- either incredibly close to Charles Leclerc or even beating Charles Leclerc. And I don't think that is a, a, a stretch for Carlos Sainz with what we've seen from him. His ability is strong. He put in some brilliant performances. You know, he needs to take another step up, get used to the machinery again, of course, and really integrate further into the team. But if he carries on the trajectory that he is on currently, I don't see why they would need to look anywhere else for another three, four seasons, maybe. I would give him maybe a two-year deal with an optional extension of another one year should he start ticking boxes very early on. Um, And I would do that from summer in 2022, another two years on top of that. Um, I think they have the outside question, of course, of what they do with Mick Schumacher. They see Mick Schumacher as... Maybe not the next Michael Schumacher in terms of the levels of success that they're expecting. I don't know if they're expecting another seven-time world champion out of poor Mick. But in terms of consistent driving and marketing potential, Mick Schumacher is an absolute goldmine. And Ferrari are aware of that. They know full well what they've bought themselves into. And they know full what they're trying to procure when it comes to Mick Schumacher and a Ferrari. Unless Leclerc fails to impress over the next couple of years, which I can't see coming, Sainz is the man that will need to step aside. The door will need to open on the Sciences side rather than the Leclerc's side. So you also don't want to tie yourself down too much with holding on to Sainz for too long. So that's why I only go for two years. I will try to get Mick in a team that is Ferrari powered but slightly further up the grid if possible. Alpha, someone like that if possible. Um, and, then, and then you've got to make that switch if that's what they want to do. So for me, strong consistency, matching Leclerc, couple of years maximum, see where Mick is, see how Leclerc's doing making other decisions as you go forward we don't need like a four-year deal and it doesn't need to be given in january take your time with it don't don't, don't be silly ferrari all right then <laughs> <Good one. laughs> um 
I agree with one thing you said, and I disagree with the other. I agree in the contract length. I think two years would be spot on. Um, further, further on from this year is what I'm saying there. So I think two more years after this year would be perfect for him. Um, you know, the, the added security has always helped Carlos Sainz in his career, so I think it would help him again if that deal was was wrapped up. So, and, and yeah, you don't want to go too far into the future to the point where you don't know what the lay of the land's going to be in a few years' time. You don't, you don't quite know. It, it, you can make predictions, but you can, the further you go into the future, the less clear things become. So. I think a couple-year deal would be absolutely fine in that respect. I agree with you on that. I disagree with when it should be done. I think it should be done as soon as possible because I think Carlos Sainz has actually got the leverage here. I think Carlos Sainz has proven himself more than Ferrari have proven themselves. You know, Carlos Sainz came in and did a fantastic job last year. He was up to speed almost straight away with Charles Leclerc, beat Charles Leclerc. He was competitive with him all season. He, he did a very good job. Ferrari are the unproven one. Ferrari, we don't know what they're going to show up with in Bahrain. They might show up and have the fastest car and win their first championship in 15 years. They might also turn up in a tractor. You can't tell with Ferrari. And to be honest, based on their recent history, I'd be leaning more towards the tractor. So I think and this is going to sound like a burn to Ferrari, and that's because it is. Um, they, they shouldn't give <laughs> themselves the chance. They shouldn't give themselves the chance to disappoint. The only way they can go is down. Like if you if you sign Carlos, if you go Carlos, you know what, mate, we'll give you your two year deal. You did a great job last year. Stay with us for a couple more years. Get that done before you can prove in Bahrain that you don't have a good car. I think that's a great idea because when Carlos Sainz comes along in Bahrain and realizes I got to drive this for two years, this isn't going to work out. Doesn't matter. You've already signed him up. So I would get this done as soon as possible, just in case you haven't quite nailed the regulations because. You know, it wouldn't be the first thing that you haven't got right in the last couple of years. Let's put it that way. Um, if you wait until the summer, I feel like you then open up and they're not quite there. Let's just say they're still a little bit behind Red Bull, still behind Mercedes. Maybe there are some other teams in the mix. Who knows? I think you then do give the opportunity for other teams to start trying to poach him. And I know you said, Sam, that you don't think there are any other avenues. Uh, and you might well be right. I, I think there is at least a chance at a couple of these teams just because Carlos Sainz has been around the grid so much, even for such a young career, that he's actually, you know, he's probably got a few people in, in different teams right now where the connection is almost already there to try and get them back. If, if Sergio Perez continues to be iffy in that Red Bull seat, maybe they look toward, if they're, if they're that convinced that Gasly isn't going to work for them, they're going to need someone and... He, you know, maybe they think a return for Carlos Sainz is, is on the cards. You know, when Lewis Hamilton doesn't come back in Bahrain, they're going to need someone. Maybe they go with Carlos Sainz. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm not certain that there won't be potential seats for Sainz. Uh, and I think the longer, again, it's just that risk is that what if they don't have a great car? Someone else does have a great car and Sainz realises, well... Look what happened in 2014. Mercedes nailed the regulations from the off and they held the advantage for quite a while after that. If Ferrari are already um, you know, behind when they get to Bahrain, they're probably not, not going to catch that up overnight. It just runs the risk that actually Ferrari lose a lot of leverage in that situation and Sainz gains it. What do you think, Harry, both in terms of contract length and also would you go with the sign him up early or would you wait a bit to see how he performs? 
Yeah, I, I agree on the contract length. Um, you know, a couple of years should be fine. <clears throat> and from a Ferrari point of view, as Sam said, they've got the likes of Mick Schumacher waiting in the wings. But um, to be honest, he's not. <clears throat> if he's going to be ready, he's. I don't think he's going to be ready for at least a couple of years anyway. So. If they want to keep signs as an interim, he's a good interim to have, um, to be frank. So, um, yeah, keep him on for a couple of years. Uh, and I don't really have much else to add on what you've said. I think Ferrari are going to want to sign him ASAP. Maybe signs from his point of view, would want to wait. And as you said, I think the ball is in, in his uh, court. But, um, yeah, I think Ferrari will be pleasantly surprised with how well it went for them last year in terms of with signs that they'll want to snap him up um, as soon as possible. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. It's not often you get the driver who's got the leverage. It happens, obviously, in some cases. Lewis Hamilton, he's often got quite a lot of leverage. Verstappen, probably. Um, but in this case, yeah, it's clear that the science has probably got the advantage over his, over his team in negotiations. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. For the record, I hope they don't build a tractor. I really want Ferrari to come <laughs> come back at some point. A non-tractor car would be great. Can they so build please, both? Ferrari. I would. I would quite like to see a all just a, a Ferrari tractor, like Lamborghini makes. Genuine tractors. tractor. Could you make yeah, a tractor? Yeah, true. Bright red. I think it'd be quite cool. Just given the 2020 car. It's close enough, isn't it? You could use it. As, 2020 car wasn't that good. You could, you could <laughs> use it as the car that retrieves the Ferrari that breaks down on the racetrack. Good idea. In fairness to Ferrari, like they didn't have any reliability DNFs last year, so I don't think that's the. I mean, everything else is their problem, but that might not be their problem. Street circuits, <laughs> street circuits are their problem. Reliably slow. Stop crashing into walls and red flagging the session. And also, Charles Leclerc, just remember that Austria should be treated as every other Grand Prix. Does he think he's driving a Hot Wheels car or something just around Austria? He it's thinks crazy, he's in it? like a little matchbox thing. Mate, it's the same size as every other track. So crashing into people. <laughs> Moving back to the other side of the garage, because I think that's where we started. Carlos Sainz. Um, <laughs> Sam, you've spoken about it from Ferrari's perspective. What about it from Sainz's perspective? Because obviously he's moved around the grid quite a lot. There's already uh, a number of teams that he's been on. Do you think that him getting this deal sorted, getting that long-term security, is that going to help his performances? Uh, 100%. And I think this actually, you say that science has the leverage. I don't know if he sees it too much as him having the leverage. I think it's easier to see from an outside perspective. I think when you're the driver sat there and a tricky playing field that is Formula One, where people are begging for seats left, right and centre. There are so many drivers out in the wings that are hungry for any driver they can get their hands on. I don't think it's as sensible as we all think that to go... I'm happy to, to, to play Mr. Barcera here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait you out for a bit. When you've got a drive at Ferrari, you're guaranteed to have a car on the grid, right? Ferrari aren't going anywhere. You might not be winning races every single weekend, but you're going to be in a secure place. You know, you're going to a team that's been built around you and you know that you're kind of a, a togetherness that is at Ferrari that maybe you don't get with some of the lower teams, that, like Haas, for example, that financially aren't in the best place and could disappear off the grid should they not get some proper income. You don't want to end up in that situation. And Science currently 
isn't in that situation. He's very, very secure with the team that he's with. It also feels like Carlos Sainz is very at home when it comes to Ferrari. Feels very comfortable. I know he obviously had like that that fierce, horrible rivalry with Lando Norris that drove him to be so successful at McLaren. Oh, bitter. You know, dri- Drive to Survive did a brilliant job documenting that. But when it comes to Ferrari, it just feels like he's very in sync with Ferrari. He it feels very similar to the culture that he was raised with. I feel like as a person, he matches it well. So if I was Carlos Sainz, I wouldn't be looking elsewhere. I would be committing myself to the team, having the team build a car around myself, my driving style. We saw how good he became with McLaren. He's carried that over from McLaren to Ferrari. Now, if you carry on that extension, that building, that management, that development, I don't see why you can't make a regular race winner out of Carlos Sainz should you build the car that actually obviously can go on to win races. And I do think Ferrari might be quite good this year. We'll get on to teammate wars in a few episodes' time. But... I think Carlos Sainz could be a real threat. And if I'm Carlos Sainz, I sit there and put my faith in the team. I go, right, Ferrari, you've got it wrong for 15 years. Now's the time to turn it around. You can do it eventually. This is going to happen. I beat Leclerc already. I feel good here. Um, I don't think he's got to worry. And I think right now, why not take the security in a time that is very tricky in a new era where you might fall flat on your face? You don't know how well you're going to drive these cars. So for me, enjoy your time at a team like Ferrari. Sign on the dotted line and pay off you an appropriate contract and make the most of it. Commit yourself to it because you never know is the grass greener on the other side or are you going to end up in a bin? So, yeah, Ferrari is. Words to live by. Thank you, Sam. Um, Yeah, I I think... I don't know whether Ferrari ever thought this, but I certainly did and others did as well, that Carlos Sainz, there was the potential for him to just be a bit of a stopgap and to be that driver who solid driver who keeps the seat warm for someone like Mick Schumacher just for a year or two uh and and he's completely flipped the narrative on that because I have to be honest even though Mick Schumacher hasn't had a proper chance yet and I'm hoping this season for Haas's sake that he does get a bit more of a fight with some other teams but I cannot foresee a situation where Ferrari think I I don't know if I want to give signs that extra year because we don't know how Schumacher's progressing I couldn't see it happening because of how much Sainz has impressed since the beginning of last year. I think he's done a great job. And in terms of the teams, like team lineups last year, there was a case to say that Ferrari had the best team lineup of the lot. Certainly a case for it. Not necessarily one will do this year, but uh, with teammate wars and driver's predictions and everything. But I'm sure we'll give our thoughts at some point on who has the best lineup, who has the worst lineup, and everything in between. But for now, should we move on to someone who won't be on the 2022 grid? Uh, and that is Oscar Piastri, reigning Formula 2 champion, Formula 3 champion two years ago, but no seat on the 2022 grid for him. Um, he's going to be doing some work for Alpine, as he is still part of the uh, Driver Academy there throughout the year. Um, but the question is, should any team outside of that, not for this season, but potentially for next season, should they try and prize him away from that programme? Harry, do you think that there is any team that, that might be in that spot? Um, it's difficult because I, I, I can't really think of any instances where junior driver programmes, I mean, there are some, but where, where, they're, where they're in with a shout of poaching another driver because it... It kind of smacks of um, 
you don't like the rest of the drivers in your own particular junior driver program and you want to get someone else's and that you made a mistake at the early stages so I don't think it's something that happens very often but you've got to be looking at I'm sure the other teams are going to be looking at him and going well he's a free agent and he's just won the F2 uh, championship and has been fairly impressive this year uh, or sorry last year I should say now 2021 um and Alpine aren't doing anything with him for this year at least. And you know, if if Alonso decides to stay until he's sixty three, then they're not going to do anything with him for a while. Because as Sam already mentioned, Ocon is signed up for decades. So um, yeah, it 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 could it could entirely happen where you know Alpine have to let him go because they can't give him a seat. And Oscar Piastri wants to see on the on the F one grid and and deserves one. So if another team comes comes a knocking then he may well decide to up and leave which I think from Alpine's point of view would be a bit of a shocker um so yeah it'd be, it's an interesting one um it's not necessarily uh something we look at all the time the the politics and stuff behind junior driver programs but it's uh it's an interesting one because you know the F2 champ I don't know how you would ever implement it but the F2 champ should be on the F1 grid next year uh, Sam's doing the two-time world champ dance folks for anyone who can't see him, which is everyone, because it's just us three. Literally everyone. Um, literally everyone. Um, yeah, I don't know how that gets implemented, but it, you know, you, it's happened before, um, and you feel that a driver of Piastri's talents should be on the grid, at least in one of the teams, so it's a shame. But yeah, I, I would not be surprised if another team does try and poach him. Whether he decides to leave, he might want to be loyal, but um, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Could you imagine the conversation between an Alpine employee and Fernando Alonso trying to get him to move out of the way for Piastri? Good. It's going to go well. Excuse me, Fernando. You, you know, we'll just do that get... classic sit in the McLaren car and do the. <laughs> <laughs> you know how Ocon signed up for the next three decades and we've got Piastri waiting in the wings? Yeah. yeah. Do I you think so. maybe <laughs> that that conversation would go horribly? Guarantee it. Oh. What's your thoughts, Sam, in terms of Oscar Piastri and whether any other team should try and poach him? I'm going to go as far to say that Oscar Piastri might be a bit of a generational talent. He has displayed the same level of ability that I have seen in... George Russell, Lando Norris, Charles Leclerc. Those are the people that we have tipped to be future world champions. And he's the first driver through the junior program. Since, you know, I think the Russell-Norris group fully emerged and proved themselves, that I think, wow, you are something special. He, you know, he, he absolutely waltzed the F3, went into F2 of first time of asking, no problem whatsoever. And... As a team, you've decided to not put him in your car. You signed Esteban Ocon up for 47 years uh, because he defended like a lion or he won a hungry or whatever it's going to be. Um, you know, <laughs> and yeah, fair play to Ocon. He's did a, a relatively good job last season. Do I think it was good enough that he deserved a contract that long that might put out a driver like Oscar Piastri? No. I think it was a silly idea from Alpine and they should have maybe have kept their cars to their chest because Ocon definitely wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. In terms of other teams that might have their eye on Oscar Piastri. I think they should have their eyes on Oscar Piastri very much, so, and I do think there are multiple teams that are going to be looking his way. 
uh, will work away from the back of the grid up. Williams, for example. Nicholas Latifi, should he not perform anymore or the money should dry up? You never know. Um, I think it makes total sense if Williams can somehow strike up a deal with Alpine to uh, get him in the car. Why not? You know, he's a, he's a driver that's got development. I don't expect Williams to be fighting at the front of the grid in the next couple of years. I hope they make improvements, but I can't see them winning races. It'll be a very good proving ground for Oscar Piastri. The same goes for Alfa Romeo. Should Guang Yuzhao not impress? Should, again, the money not come back in? Should he be so woeful that they are clearly missing out on so many points? Then, why not? Why not try and pick him up? Yes, he doesn't have the same level of funding as Guang Yuzhao does, but I'll tell you for this for free, any F2 driver tends to have a lot of funding if they're making it into Formula 1. Somewhere, someone is sponsoring them. Um, so Alpha, you know, also Alpha aren't one of those teams that are absolutely strapped for cash either. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty alright, they're pretty comfortable. Moving on from them, Sebastian Vettel doesn't look too happy at the moment. Retirement, maybe in the next year to two years. Why not? Why not try and pull him away, put him in the car? You can have a talent there for the next 10 or 15 years, should he be loyal, should he want to stick around with the car, it's obviously a very famous brand as Aston Martin, you never know, he might commit to that. Finally, Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton is not going to turn up for the Bahrain Grand Prix this season, and because of that... <laughs> <laughs> as confirmed by us tonight, breaking news. Yeah, yeah, we conned you with the 100% earlier, no, so Hamilton's maybe got what, two years Maybe three if he wants to carry on. He might do this year and go, yep, yeah, I've had to go in the new cars. Thank you. I'll, I'll leave it there. They don't have an immediate replacement in line. And that makes total sense, I would say. They could possibly poach Lando Norris from McLaren, but he feels very, very comfortable there. Not the first time Mercedes have taken a young Brit that could possibly go on to win championships at Mercedes. Um, you know, they could possibly pick up, put Nick DeVries in the car, who I think, unfortunately, is now being out of it for a little bit too long to maybe jump in and do the job as expected. Van Dorn wasn't exactly mega when he was at McLaren either. And I know that obviously he's a possible connection for them. Um, Gasly is the only other option. And Gasly doesn't really know what he's doing. And he still seems like he's involved in that RB family because he's not moved anywhere else. But why not, if you're Mercedes, sign Piastri to your young driver program, stick him in your GT3 class or something like that, sponsor him to do something else for a season... See how he goes. I can't really see another immediate option for Mercedes that's on the cards that they couldn't try. So, I think other teams should be keeping an eye on him. I think, actually, if he carries on the impressive ability that he's already displayed, which I have no doubt that he will, I think he's got plenty of options. I think it'll be a massive, ridiculous loss if the current F2 and previous F3 champion cannot get on the F1 grid. What is the point in winning those championships if it doesn't get you a spot on the grid? It's silly. So, yeah, teams are definitely going to be keeping their eyes on him. I want to go back to, I think, probably the first thing that Harry mentioned, uh, a point you made, Harry, that you don't necessarily see too much in the way of poaching other teams' junior drivers because it's almost an admission that you've failed in your job, that you haven't done a good enough job with your own junior programme to promote one of your guys, um, which might well be a factor. I have to say, any team that goes ahead with the strategy of I know our guy is worse than someone else we can get, but I don't want to appear wrong. They aren't going to be in a good spot. And a team that will be in a good spot is a team that is admitting we got it wrong. All right, we've got these three drivers in the junior program. And you know what? None of them are jumping off the page. And there's this guy who's in the other, who's in another program. We think he's special. We might be able to get him. The team who goes, yeah, I think we got it wrong with our three guys. We want that guy. 
that's going to be the successful team. So I, I really think that any team that might have an opening here should absolutely go for it with Oscar Piastri because I do agree with what you said, Sam. There is a very distinct chance that he is a generational talent and I think he has got more promise than anyone who's come through in the last couple of years. And the thing is with the Alpine deal, I, I've spoken at length about the Ocon deal uh, and how much I didn't like it at the time. Still don't like it now. Yeah, as long as the Ocon deal itself. Exactly, right? Uh, I'll still be going on about it in its 73rd year. But... It... <laughs> we'll be dead. <laughs> the, main, the, the main problem I have is that with Ocon, I think you've got a really solid driver, but you've got someone who I believe is not world champion material, who's not generational talent like Piastri could be. And I appreciate this analogy is probably going to work better for Harry and Sam than it is for people who can't actually see me. And I can't even claim this analogy as my own. But if I was to hold out my two hands and I was to take my right hand away. So I've just got my left hand here and there's there's nothing in my left hand. You can see there's nothing in my left hand at all. Correct. And I was and I was to tell you my right hand, which is now off screen there. There's a million pounds in my right hand. Now you Can might not, that, you might, and I've got to give you the choice. Do you want the left hand or do you want the right hand? Now you might well right think hand, Ben is lying about what he's got in his right hand. There is no way he's got a million pounds <laughs> at all. But you can see my left hand, there's nothing in it. So you might as well give it a go. You might as well try for the right hand. There might be something there. If it's nothing, you haven't lost anything. That's the Piastri and Ocon situation. With Ocon, I don't think you have a world champion. With Piastri, you might also not have a world champion. But you don't know oh, it yet. It wasn't a million pounds. You don't know it do yet. You know, do you know how I know that that analogy isn't mine? It makes sense. <laughs> 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 we haven't gone to a supermarket or something like that yet. Yeah, I'm sorry. I couldn't get a supermarket reference in there. But yeah, that's, that's why I don't necessarily love the Ocon deal. Just for the length of time more than that. I don't mind them keeping him. I just think it's the length of time that doesn't make any sense. I'm actually going to go a completely different direction team-wise to what you mentioned, Sam. And I actually think that Alpha Tauri and Red Bull should be keeping an eye on him. Um, because not that I dislike um, some of the junior drivers coming through. I think Yuri Vips could be fine. I think Liam Lawson could be fine. But I don't think either of them have the potential that Oscar Piastri has. I think if the... And the, I appreciate the irony in this. If Yuki Tsunoda isn't performing sort of midway through this year after he's had a year and a half I wouldn't be against Red Bull making a bit of a plucky play and saying we'll, we'll buy we'll, we'll buy uh, uh, we'll buy um, Piastri from you Alpine we'll take him and we'll replace Sonoda mid-season now I appreciate the irony that we've been complaining at Red Bull for doing just that sort of thing for the last few years but I think at a year and a half for Yuki Sonoda given how underwhelming his first year was, I think he's been given enough time after one and a half years, quite frankly. So I wouldn't be against that sort of move if they were confident that they need to get him now before someone else swoops in for him. I was I was going to say when you were talking about, um, you know, the, junior, the people who are in charge of junior driver programs who won't get the better driver for, you know, embarrassment of being wrong. To be fair to Red Bull, you might not like it, but that's not them because they just get rid of their drivers willy-nilly. doesn't matter. They go for the ones they think are good. They might not get it right all the time and they're pretty savage, but they do They do go for it, I guess. Oh, is it? Is it starting raining? Oh, no, it's just Alex Albon's tears after he's heard <laughs> what you've had to say. Poor and man. Danny Kvyat and Pierre oh, Gasly's. 
Yeah, but Danny DeVito's and Christian Clean. He's been employed as the janitor to clear up the team. Robert Doorknobs. <laughs> Scott Speed, Leo they're all they're all raining down on us with their teams. Oh, Vitantonio. Scott Speed isn't crying, he's too busy cheating on iRacing, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Scott no Still speed banned, now. isn't he? Oh, yeah. It's a bit of a throwback, isn't it? <laughs> also, that Toro Rosso as it was back then was hideous, by the way. Oh, it was awful. Utterly awful. Yeah. I have to say, and I appreciate we've gone well off topic here, I do miss the Toro, <laughs> I do miss the Toro Rosso from a few years ago. The proper, the like... The Coke can one. The light blue one. Yeah, like the... It looks like a, a, a reverse Coke can. It's like blue and silver instead of red and white or something. Well, I think it's time. We are a fair way into the episode. I think it's time to bring about what is undoubtedly the worst jingle that we have in our playbook. It is higher... Or lower. Is F1 higher? Is F1 lower? Is Sam faster? Is Harry slower? F1 higher? F1 lower? F1. Oh, God. I hate it. Honestly, it, it would be it would be bottom tier, but I feel like the end F one just brings it up one or two. That last. <laughs> Can F1. someone please make a a tier list of jingles, please? Uh, put it in the Discord. Uh, if you want to join the Discord, the link is in the description. Over three hundred people talking F one all the time. Someone make a tier list of the of the terrible, terrible jingles. Don't worry, I know none of them are going to be good. I feel like someone is actually going to do that, and I can't wait. Um, F one higher or lower? Just to give you an idea of what this game is, if you haven't listened to one of these before, uh, I'm going to read out something, um, and Harry and Sam will take it in turns to guess the number of the stat that I give. So, for example, I might, I might say, uh, how many times has Dave Benson Phillips raced in Formula One? Um, and Harry might well Every say, time. Harry might well say, oh, I raced in F1 ten times, and Sam then has to guess higher or lower. If Sam's correct in that one, he gets the point. However, if he's wrong, Harry gets the point. Uh, it's fairly simple, and you'll pick it up soon enough. Uh, just to clarify, actually, on that one, um, it, it, Dave Benson Phillips never raced an F1, despite being a late-breaking Hall oh. of Famer. Despite being a Hall of Famer, never raced an F1. That's a shocker. Just like my fire alarm and Big Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> Big Shaq's been on the podium more times than we have, though. True. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Actually, more times than Yuki as well. So you know. Oh, oh savage! Stay brutal, Sam. Time out. <laughs> to be fair, I just told him he might be kicked from his seat for Oscar Piastri, so I can't say anything. But um, high or low, there are eight to choose from, and I and like I said earlier, Sam, you are um, looking to get a win back. So I'll let you go first on this one. What number would you like? Um, I'll have number one. Why not start the start? All right, let's go with number one. I want you to tell me how many podiums Kimi Raikkonen has had at Spa. So far. So far, obviously, <laughs> yes. Because he's coming back, obviously. Up until the year 2022. Um... <laughs> well, if you said the year 20. 20... 50, I might have had to extend my numbers. But as you said, 2022, I'm going to go with... Um, 
seven. Seven is incorrect. Um, just I forgot one part Ooh. of the game. If you get it spot on, you do get two points. Um, but Sam's guess of seven is Never not happened. correct. So would you like higher or lower than that, Harry? I'll go with lower. And Harry is on the board first of all. He's correct with lower. Uh, it's five. Surprisingly, he's he's had four wins there, but only one other podium outside of those wins. So. That's why I said seven. I thought he's had more than three wins, but he must have also been on the podium. But there we go. We started off with being wrong. It's nothing changes. He, he either wins or he doesn't. He doesn't do anything. That not- is racing, everyone. That's getting tweeted. <laughs> yeah, not... <laughs> This might not make you feel any better whatsoever, Sam. But I have to say, if I was going for, I probably would have gone for exactly the same guess as you. So we'd have been we'd have been wrong together. Oh, that does make me feel better, as you are the stat man. I feel good. All right, stat man. One nothing, Harry. <laughs> you lead. What number would you like? Two, please. Number two, Jim Raffman, great friend of the podcast. Oh yeah. Um, doesn't quite know it yet, but um, he has a record in F one. He has the most positions gained in a race so from qualifying position to end position can you tell me how many positions he gained i don't even know who he is it's a good start sure uh he gained 27 positions it's not correct higher or lower sam f1 lower (laughs) beautifully sung horribly answered it's harry's point again (laughs) Oh, he got it wrong. Why does he get a point again? Because you guessed lower. And it wasn't lower. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I've forgotten the rules of the own game. The, the reason you might <laughs> not have heard of Jim Rathman, uh, Harry, is because this is going back to the days when the Indy 500 was part of the calendar. Uh, and he went, from, right. he went from 32nd to 2nd in the race. So, oh, at the Indy 500? Yeah. Bending the bloody rules in. You cheeky boy. Yeah, sneaky one there. You can have any number between three and eight, Sam. Which one would you like? Oh, I'll go to the end. I'll have number eight, please. Number eight. So th- there are two pretty horrible ones in this. This is one of them. Good. Because it involves math. It's still a 50-50. It involves maths, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Best team of all time, if I was to say that, you would, of course, say... oh. Well, the Renault team of 2005 is the best team of all, all time. Alonso and Fisichella, of course. I want you to tell me, combined, how many race starts they've had. What, Alonso and Fisichella across their whole careers? A number of race starts for Alonso, ever. Plus, number yeah. of race starts for Fisichella, ever. God. Oh, for Christ's sake, what's the point? Um... um... And we see a lot, so done a lot. I'm gonna go Can't with that, yeah. Uh, pluck it out the sky. 874. 874. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a joke, lot. by the way. It's a joke answer before we accept that one. <laughs> oh, that, that's proper got me. <laughs> uh, can I get a serious answer? Of course you can. Go on. <laughs> Thank cool. you. Um, uh, about 873 <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that as well um, uh, <laughs> sorry sorry everyone uh, about I'm going to say 373 373 Harry would you like to go higher or lower than that 
I'll go. Uh, I'll go higher. It I is indeed higher. It is uh, 562. Um, so Alonso has 333 as of the end of the 2021 season, and Fisichella had 229. So higher was the correct answer. Oh, that was funny. Oh, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Alonso's done like 70 years in F1. It's great. Um, <laughs> Esteban Ocon will be on that number. He'll be there. He'll be there in his own right. <laughs> number three down to number seven, Harry. Which one would you like? Uh, number three. Let me go in order. All right. This is the other horrible one. This might be even more horrible. Oh, oh no. So, Robert You're Kubica. Right, Robert Kubica. Baby pole. We we love Robert Kubica <laughs> here on the Late Breaking Podcast. Mini pole. Mini pole. <laughs> he holds a record in F1. Does Robert Kubica? And it is the number of days between successive points finishes. So he had a points finish, however many days, until his next point finish. Question is, how many days were there in between those successive points finishes? Well, uh, that is ridiculous. So 2010, and then it must be up to 2019. I can't do that math in my head. <laughs> I'm going to go for... 3,931. You might be shocked to know this, Harry. That's not the correct oh. answer. <laughs> but would you like to go higher or lower oh, than no. that, Sam? Did you say 3,931? Correct. I'm going to say up, it's F1 lower. <laughs> Sam is on the board. It is indeed lower. Uh, you were you were in the right thousands, just the other the wrong end of it. Uh, 3,178 was the correct answer there. 874. You've got... (laughs) Almost. Close enough. (laughs) You've got rid of the horrible ones now. The rest are all lovely. Sort of. Love, good. Sam, what number would you like? Uh, Harry wanted to go in order, so I'm going to annoy him and go five. Ooh, number five. (laughs) You went to eight, so you've already annoyed me. Don't worry about it. Got to do it every week. (laughs) Since the start of the hybrid era, how many times has Lewis Hamilton been out of the points since since the start of 2014? That includes retirements. Doesn't include Sakia. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with. 12. It's not correct. Higher? Lower, Harry? I might go with lower. Since the start of 2014, he has only finished outside of the points nine times. Um, wow. Oh, that's ridiculous. And just to, I mean, just to add another thing into this. Eight of those were retirements. The only time in the hybrid era he's finished outside of the top Baku. ten and finished was indeed Baku last year. So, wow, that's mad. Bit of a mad start that one. Number four, six, or seven, Harry? Which one do you like? Four, please. <laughs> Ironically, this one is about Esteban Ocon. He can't stay away tonight. Of course it is. How many times has he started a race in F one? 
Oh. Uh, when did he join? Uh, he started at race. I'm still not over him replacing Rio Harianto, by the way. Well, undeserved as <laughs> well. Yeah, true. Rio, Rio was given Pascal Verlaine a run for his money in that manner. Absolutely cheated out of the seat. Anyway, biggest rig job in F1. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of your Abu Dhabi conspiracies. That's where the real conspiracy is. <laughs> Um, so he joined in 2016 but he was midway through so he might have done about pff, 10 races 10 is that your final answer uh, 1980 <laughs> no <laughs> 80, he left the end of 18 right and he's done oh I don't know he's done 73 races he has not done 73 races, but has he done more or fewer than that, Sam? Higher or lower? Oh, I, I have a feeling that Harry's really close with that. I'm going to go... Because Harry's really bad at remembering the length of the 2020 season. I'm going to go higher. Oh, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even count the 2020 season. So <laughs> every time it. it comes up, he doesn't count it. I, didn't, I just forget it, it existed. I, have to, I, I don't know off the top of my head how many races were in 2020, but if you included it, you probably would have been very close. Um, <laughs> it was higher. Uh, 89, so uh, you were 16 oh, out. Damn, there were seven, 17, weren't there? <laughs> you should have been one out. Yeah. You won out. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Number six or number seven, Sam? It's got to be number seven. All right. <laughs> number seven. Uh, best driver in F1 history? Off the top of your heads? I'm not giving that opinion right now. Um, Pedro Lamy. Close. Correct. Uh, Charles Peake is the correct answer. Um, <laughs> Charles Peake in motorsport. Charles Peake holds a record in Formula One. Unfortunately, it isn't a great one. He holds the record for most <laughs> most times he's been passed in a season. Oh, how many times oh, was God. he passed in that Is season? Is there a cryptocurrency award for that? <laughs> Make it happen. Most times passed. Uh, how many times he passing a season? Um, it's got to be pretty savage. I'm gonna go with. 93. Not correct. Higher or lower, Harry? I'll go higher. Sam takes the point. Uh, it was a yeah! pretty good guess, I would say. I wouldn't know where to start with this one. It was 70. So I'd say that's a pretty oh. respectable guess. Which, um, cool. I've got to be honest, early, early doors, it didn't seem like this was going to be much of a competition, but it's now Harry 4, Sam 3, so there is the chance Ooh. for the draw if Harry doesn't get this one right. Uh, the last one is about Max Verstappen, Harry. Number 6, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you were unsure. Right, um, hang on. Wait, sorry, repeat that one again. Number, number 6. Right, okay. Yes, please. This one's about Max Verstappen. I want you to say how many podiums he's had in F1. Oh. Oh, I don't know. He's had... Uh... <laughs> oh, God. Right, don't forget 2020. <laughs> don't forget 2020. <laughs> 
He has not had 47 podiums. So, Sam, for the draw, it's a 50-50 choice to make sure you don't lose. No, Michael. Higher or lower than 47 podiums for Max Verstappen. No, Michael, this is not fair. Um, no, Michael, no. No, Michael. Uh, if I lose this, have I got a pair of Bose headphones I can destroy on my table? I feel it's a 50-50. Why has it got to be a 50-50? <laughs> um, there used to be a great TV programme called 50-50, by the way. I don't know if anyone remembers it. Um, schools used to play against more, each other. More British. Like other references there. I'm Big... stalling for time while I try and think of the years he's been on the podium. Big up, Angelica. Uh, you know what? Go big or go home. Higher. So... Sam notoriously gets these 50-50 questions wrong and so much is on the line for this one at 4-3 down. Has Sam finally got over his 50-50 troubles? He's He's only gone and done it! Yes! Thank you, Max! Oh, my God, no! Max Verstappen has had 60 podiums. Meaning that after, I think, Sam, you were 3-0 down in this game. You've managed to salvage a draw at 4 all. Can someone annotate uh, the Arsenal badge onto Harry's face and the <laughs> Newcastle badge onto my face, please? Can someone play the Czech Teote commentary over me winning that final point? It's a very niche football reference, well, but it's important to me. Me! Right yeah, now. Who well, is he? He was a rest in peace, footballer, by the way. yeah. Yeah, he's a lovely man, and he unfortunately passed away very young. But he scored the brilliant equaliser in Newcastle v Arsenal. Of course he did. I think we've got... I remember that. We've got our full fix of British references tonight, haven't we? We have not been short of that. Sorry, folks. F1 higher or lower, anticlimatically, ends in a draw. Anticlimatically, what a great word. Is F1 higher? Is F1 lower? Is Sam faster? Is Harry slower? <laughs> F1 higher? F1 lower? F1... F1. Oh God, that, it's just perfect. <laughs> it rounds off the song brilliantly. Uh, I mean, The notes that are reached. We'll, of course, be back again the full next week, won't we? Um, but we do have a quiz coming up in the Discord. So, Sam, if you wouldn't mind chatting a bit about that and getting us out of here. Folks, if you do want to see both myself and Harry panic internally and externally for about an hour's period where Ben runs a quiz in the Discord. This is round two of the quiz. Uh, it went down brilliantly last time and loads of people get involved. It was a lot of fun. Um, it's very well run, actually, because Ben runs it, not me or Harry. But if you do fancy a bit of an F1 quiz and you fancy getting involved with the community, head down to the Discord. It's a great laugh. Everyone is really lovely. If they're not, we'll kick them out because we have the power to do that. Um, yeah, check it out. Why not? You can always leave if you don't fancy it. Uh, so that's going to go on. We've got some more Patreon stuff coming up very, very soon. We're going to go into more details in another poddy, but there is another watch-along coming up very, very soon, which is cool. And you may have seen it on our social media channels, at Breaking for Twitter, Late Breaking for Instagram, the first merchandise has arrived in the LBHQ. We've got a couple of jumpers, a couple of hats. It all looks nice. So keep your eyes peeled for something along those lines in the near future as well. 
Don't expect it to be organised, though. I haven't got a date for you. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. It is nice being back in 2022. Not too much longer until the winter break is stopped and we can feel the warmth of those engines in Formula 1. But, until then, we leave you left one higher and lower. And I've been Sam Jose. I've been Ben Hocking. I've been Czech T.O.T. <laughs> and remember, keep breaking late. Do I have a million pounds in my left hand, though? find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk sports social podcast network